as our dear sister read a while ago, um, is talk to you about keepers being keepers of the message. Because uh, it's a covenant relationship and the responsibility is not your pastors alone. And then at 11 o'clock, I'm going to talk to you about one purpose uh, because we're to be people of one purpose, single-minded, and uh, we want to share with you if as a follow-up to this morning. I heard about a, a man who was born into a family named Brown, and for whatever reason, Mr. and Mrs. Brown decided that they wanted to give their child a unusual name. They didn't want to call him John Brown or Bob Brown or Bill Brown or Steve Brown or anything like that. They wanted it to be something unusual. So they thought about it for a little while, and so they named him Fantastic. Amen. So his name was Fantastic Brown. All of his life he had to deal with that. You can imagine what it was like as a young kid and, uh, you know, going through school and all of the kidding he took because of his first name. And it went that way all of his life, and, and uh, it was on his birth certificate that way. You know, it would almost took an act of Congress, which is impossible to get them to act on anything, you know, to change that name. So he stuck with that name all of his life. He had a wonderful marriage. He had kids. He did well in business, but he was always teased all of his life about his first name, Fantastic, was his name. When he lay dying, he said the following to his wife, I do not want to carry that name with me to the grave. So when you put a headstone on my grave plot, you just put Brown, and that's all you put on there. So if she had that done, and she was looking at it, and she thought to herself, that's really not enough. So she had him come back and write under the brown. She had him write the following. He was a wonderful businessman and a perfect husband. Well, isn't that sweet? And every time somebody went by his tombstone and read that, they said, that's fantastic. <laughs> They're... Uh, there is a man in the New Testament that I think deserves the title Fantastic. At his time of living, though, he never claimed it. He never said that about himself. As a matter of fact, when he talked about himself, he didn't think about it, uh, nor did anyone else really much at the time think about what an amazing man that he was. And Second Timothy is the last letter that the Apostle Paul wrote, if I've got my history right, and when we come to his ending, he is without any of the goods of the world. He doesn't have any of the honor of the world as far as the honor of the world uh, could say about him. And if he, if he claims anything, he is a prisoner. Because when we find him down at the end of the way, he's in a very humid and wet dungeon, and soon he's going to die. <coughs> and he knows he's writing his last letter. And to be honest with you, from the tenor of the letter and other writings, we know that he was probably very lonely. In spite of that, we find that as he begins to write in Timothy, it's a very upbeat letter. 
you, you can almost feel the fire in his heart and in his soul as he's writing to this young man and he's wanting to encourage him and he is a man who has been dedicated to the message of God and he wants to make sure that, that Timothy, one of his best disciples, is going to be faithful and dedicated to the Word of God as well. So I want to tell you some things and share you some things. And, and, and he's so thankful to be at this stage of his life. He's been faithful to, to share the message of the Word of God. And he says to Timothy, what I really want to do is I want to pass on my burden to you. All right. I want you to understand my heart and, and what a burden I've had to share the Word of God, what a burden I've had to lead people to Christ and start churches he's not talking about his sadness he's not talking about his physical problem he's not talking about being in jail and 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 i feel sorry for myself and you need to feel sorry for me and you need to have sympathy he doesn't say any of that right 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 he writes to that young man and he says let me tell you something you have a joy and a privilege. He doesn't say any mournful words about being a prisoner. He encourages him. And then he says to Timothy, I thank God for you, Timothy. I thank God for you. I am so grateful for you. When I was thinking about today and my, my brother and his dear wife and, 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 and all the things that are going on, I, I remembered these verses and I, I wrote them down. And, and I know you love this man and, and uh, he's a blessing to you and to me. And, uh, you know, when he's bragging on me and I'm bragging on him and you sitting there thinking, well, that just makes me sick, well, just throw up and get over it because we're going to keep doing it. We have to love each other. If y'all got a problem with that, it's your problem. Here's what it says. If with pleasure you are viewing any work that man is doing, if you like him or love him, tell him now. Don't withhold your approbation till the parson holds oration and he lies with snowy lilies o'er his brow. For no matter how you shout it, he won't really care about it. He won't know how many teardrops you have shed. If you think some praise is due him, now's the time to slip it to him, for he cannot read the tombstone when he's dead. More than fame and more than money is the comment, kind and sunny, and the hearty approval of a friend. For it gives to life a savor, and it makes you strong and braver, and it gives you strength and courage to the end. If, you've earned, if he's earned your praise, bestow it. If you like him, let him know it. Let the words of true encouragement be said. Do not wait till life is over and he lies beneath the clover, for he cannot read the tombstone when he's dead. I had, when I first come to Florida, I had a little lady in Medela Baptist Church. Every, I was there for about nine or ten years. Every Sunday for all of those years, she brought me a rose put on my lapel every Sunday. I don't know why I did this, brothers and sisters, but I did. I, the first Sunday she did that and I went home, my wife had a little basket sitting there on the dresser and I took off the rose and dropped it in the basket. I did that every Sunday for 10 years. When she passed away and I was doing her funeral, I gave the flowers back to her. I brought them and placed them in the casket because she had given them to me while I was living. Yes, sir. Yes. And I remembered her kindness. 
and um, nobody ever picked up the mantle, but, you know, it was meant for her to do that. And it was her way of saying, Preacher, I want you to look nice and feel good, and maybe this will cheer you up and get you going this morning. Amen. Paul was always doing that. He's always writing to people. And he's always trying to encourage them in some way. And here was a man who is committed to the message of Jesus Christ and no less than, than 13 times in 14 verses the nouns and the pronouns speak again about Jesus Christ our Lord and our Savior. He can't say enough about Jesus who, who saved us and is our loving, empowering, wonderful God. And the message that he had was the message of Jesus Christ. Amen. Yes, sir. Yes. Paul's saying to that young man, I've been faithful in season and out of season. And he says, you need to be the same way because now you're the keeper of the message. Yes, yes. But you don't keep the message to yourself. You share the message. And the message we bear is not about religion. The message that we bear is not about philosophy. The message that we bear is not about doing the best you can or being the best person that you can be. It's not about building large and, and wealthy religious organizations. Yeah. The message is about Jesus Christ and what he and only he accomplishes in the lives of his people. The message that this brother has shared with you faithfully is the message of Jesus Christ. Now what is this message about Christ? Well, uh, look if you will in, in, in verse number 10 and see what he says. But now he says what? Is uh, by, but it is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel whereunto I am appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles. So he, he starts off and he says he's been, it's been revealed through the appearing of Jesus, the appearing of Christ. He says God has invaded history with Jesus Christ God came well why did he come well the word says he feared he appeared as a savior we needed to be rescued from something we needed to be redeemed for something so God came to save us and God came to rescue us he came to rescue us from death and Jesus destroyed death and we need to understand the real crux of the Christian message is not that you and I are a little spiritually sick and we need some spiritual medicine to get well. It's not that we're just spiritually ignorant and we need some intellectual enlightenment in order to be informed. The Word of God says that all of us who are without Christ are dead. We're dead. We understand we're dead in trespasses and sins. We may be breathing, but we are dead. There are a lot of people walking around breathing, but they're dead and don't know it. And you and I need to be keepers of the message. We need to tell them about it. We may be active. In fact, some dead people are very active because it helps them forget they're dead. But we are dead without Christ. I'm not going to turn over there, but I'll remind you of the verses in Ephesians chapter 2. And, and, and the apostle says, Do you remember what it was like before you came to Christ? Yeah. 
You were dead, he said, in trespasses and in sins and spiritually dead. No hope, stone dead. No way to save yourself. You were dead. And if we could see through God's eyes, you know what? And, and I agree, sisters, y'all were talking about what a beautiful day it is. It is a beautiful day. But you know what God sees when he looks at the world? God sees the world as a vast graveyard filled with men and women, boys and girls who are dead without Christ. Yeah. And you and I have the message and we're to be a keeper of the message. And every tomb, what they ought to engrave on every tomb is dead in trespasses and sins because that's the reason you died. Oh, well, they, preachers, they had cancer. They were dead in their trespasses and sins. Without Christ, he came to destroy death. He brought life and immortality to light. You know what that means? We were in the dark, but he turned on the light. Amen. I was somewhere the other day, and I guess I'm, technology is getting crazy, and uh, I needed to use the restroom, and they told me it was right down the hall, and I went in, you know, as I, as I went in, and it was dark. And I looked to my right for a light switch. There's no light switch. And I said, now, how am I going to use the bathroom in the dark? There's no window in here. You know what? I took one step in that room, and the light came on. And I couldn't find out for sure, but when I left, I imagine it went off. But you know, it's a good day when the light goes on. Jesus is the light. He is our Savior. And we need to understand we are the keepers of that message. And the message always demands messengers to deliver it. Right, right, right. Somebody's got to carry it. Paul's writing to Timothy, God's called you to be a messenger. And, and you're here. And your pastor and his wife are here. God has called you to be messengers that's right, that's right, that's right. of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's who we are. That's where we are about who does God call to do this work? Well, He calls people just like you and me. That's right. Yeah. We're to share the gospel, uh, and God wants you to share it no matter what your calling is. You may have a business, but you, in that business, use it to glorify God. In that yeah. business, it, it can be very demanding, but it's also very delightful. Yeah. It will be your understanding in mind that we're doing what we ought to be doing to the glory of God. God has called us, and that's how he calls each of us. But he not only calls us, he gifts us. Paul talked to Timothy about the ways the Spirit of God is working, he says, with the spirit of people. And when somebody directs their spirit, then God underwrites it. God endows us, the spirit, our spirit with his spirit. Things happen. Paul says... I am not ashamed. So he writes to Timothy, and here's what he says. I want you to know that you can decide to overcome being timid about the gospel because it's in the gospel is where the power is. It's in the gospel where your spirit is. The Holy Spirit gives you the power. There was an old gospel song years ago, and I remember hearing it at a convention, and it was it, the title of the song, and I remember the, uh, Joanne Shelton is the lady that sung it. I think she's gone on to be with the Lord, but the song title was I Have No Power of My Own. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't. Yeah, that's right. Without God, I don't have any power. Yeah. 
Do you know what it means to have the power? The Holy Spirit gives you power Amen. not to lord over people. Right, 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 right. A power that produces love, a power that produces self-discipline. There is a kind of power that can help you to overcome being timid about telling others about Christ. Yeah. And, and the Spirit of God can do that. And he says, let the Spirit fan the flame, Timothy. Let the Spirit take a hold of your life. Is there anything Is there anything that excites you in this world? Is there anything about your life, is there anything that made you want to get up this morning and come to where you are? Yeah. Is there a reason for you to get up every day? Yeah. You see, that's what it's about. Yeah. Now, he also wanted him to know the most difficult thing for me about... Uh, being called to the ministry, and and, uh, and I don't know all of the struggles my brother may have had, but you know, when I first got started, and, and hear me very carefully, when I first got started, the most difficult thing of all I had to face in my early ministry days is that this is a serious business. I was a young man. I didn't want to be in serious business. I wanted it to be a wonderful thing to do. And I, I remember, you know, when I got called to preach in, in those early days of preaching, I man, I, I was just I was just, just I was in heaven almost. I mean I was happy and I was excited and, and I was just so thrilled and I, I just knew that everybody gonna love me because I'm the preacher. All right, son. Oh boy did I grow up. I thought nobody criticizes a preacher. And I thought, you know, this is good and, and this is a lot of fun. And it was delightful and people were being very kind and very encouraging. And then one day somebody messed me up. One day somebody came to me and it's not what you're thinking. Here's what they said and it changed my life and my ministry. Somebody come up to me after a service as a young man. Here's what they said. Preacher, what you told me today from God's word has changed my life and it'll change my life forever. Amen. Now that was awesome and it scared me to death all at the same time. And I'll tell you why. And I'll be honest with what I said. I said, Lord, I don't want that. That's too heavy. I, I want to work up little sermons and I want to tell people nice things from the Word of God so they'll go home warm and fuzzy and go back home and be uh, looking forward to coming back next week because I'm going to give them a, a nice little fuzzy word. I don't want to be responsible for saying something so well or so poorly that people miss it. I don't want to be responsible for being timid about the gospel, uh, not saying it clearly so that someone may not know that they got to have Christ. Lord, I, I don't want that responsibility. Mm. But we got to fan the flame in our lives and we have to say, I am responsible. Yes, but it sobered me up that day because I thought being in the ministry was going to be fun. Well, I, I'm here to tell you, you know I have fun. If you ain't found out that already, you, I don't know, you've been sleeping through everything I've said in over the last several years I've been here. I love to have a good time. I love to have fun, but when it's time to get serious, I'll get serious. 
I'm responsible. Yes, sir. You see, here's the thing. A doctor may save somebody's life for a few years, but if you witness to somebody and they ask Jesus into their heart, they are going to be saved forever. They're going to be saved throughout all eternity. That's not a statement of pride. I'm not saying anyone is more important than anyone else because every Christian is called to share the gospel. I have people say, well, I just don't have the gift of evangelism. Yeah, you do. All, all witnessing is is telling one beggar, telling another beggar where to find bread. All right. That's all you got to do. You don't have, listen, I know there's the four spiritual laws, there's a Roman road. I'm not saying those things are bad. I've been through EE training and, and then we had other things, you know, through the years and all of that stuff, you know, about what to do and how to win people. Listen, all you got to do is say, hey, just let me tell you what Jesus did for me. Yes, that will beat the Roman road any day because all you're doing if you go to Roman road, yes, you're reading the Word of God and don't stop using it. I'm not telling you what I'm saying is when you say, let me tell you what God's done for me, it's more personal. All right. Yeah. Now I'm telling you what He did for me. I'm not just telling you what He said here. Yeah. I'm telling you what it did in my life. Anybody can read. Tell them. Tell them. People's lives are at stake and never ever forget how important the message is. We are keepers of the message. Don't ever lose fa the fact that Jesus Christ is the message. Don't lose it in religion. Yeah. Don't lose it in people trying to do the best they can in their own strength or in the pride of people who would say, well, I don't want to admit that I'm lost and, can, and, and, you know, and, I, and I can't save myself. Never lose it. Yeah. You better guard it. It's under attack. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We're living in a land. It's under attack yes. every way you go. Yes, yes. Let me tell you something. We all fuss and mouth about they took prayer out of schools. Let me tell you something. What they really done is they kicked God out. You can pray in school. You can do those things. But I'm here to tell you, we've got to keep this word. We've got to guard it. We've got to keep it. We've got to stand watch over it. And the Holy Spirit will help us. And never, never forget that your sole message is Jesus Christ, the only hope of the world. Never lose that. Be a keeper of the message of God. This brother's... I, don't, I always have lost at words when I try to tell people what this man means to me and his dear wife, but I'm here to tell you as good as you are, they can't do it by themselves. That's up, that's up, that's up. That's right, what is it, they? What's the day? Covenant. Oh, and there's a covenant between just the pastor and his wife? No. It's not? No. Lord, have mercy, brother. What you got going on here? Yes, <laughs> Who's that covenant between? people and the preacher and there's somebody else involved. Guard it. Keep it. Don't forget about it. Now, please don't misunderstand me. There is a feeling these days in our world kind of a politicized religion. There is sweeping across our nation and our land a kind of civil religion which is dangerous because it leaves Christ out. 
I've heard people say, and you've, you've seen the controversy on this in different ways, I heard people say that, that what we ought to do is we just need to hang the Ten Commandments back on the walls of the classrooms. Hang them all you want. Hang them anywhere you can hang them. They're just words on a piece of paper until somebody lives them. This is just another printed book unless somebody lives it. Words on a piece of paper, but God's Word. You can't legislate morality. Rules and laws hanging on the walls of the schools won't change anything. Man has already proven he can't keep the law, so what good is it to have? You put, it out on, put it out on a plaque in the courtyard house in Bartow if you want to. It won't change anything because they're in the courthouse trying people that can't live by the law already. Do all you want. That's why Jesus came, because we couldn't live by the law. We couldn't keep the law of God. We can't be good. We need a Savior. It's Jesus. It's not religion. I hear people give testimony sometimes. Well, I got religion. Well, if that's all you got, you ain't got much. There's a whole lot of people talking about heaven ain't going there. When the last time you went to a funeral, anybody went to hell? Come on now. I don't. I, sometimes I'm. I'm wondering why somebody doesn't jump up in the middle of the service and say, "Preacher, who are you talking about? That was the meanest man in the whole town. Didn't nobody like him. The dogs wouldn't even play with him." You selling me he's on the streets of gold drinking a Budweiser and fishing? I've been to funerals where they put cans of Budweiser in the casket. I'm out of the mountains of North Carolina. I've seen everything. Some of them firing guns up in there as we went to the cemetery. I, I didn't know what to do. I made sure that I stayed covered somewhere. Paul went on and he said to Timothy, he said, you better be ready to suffer. Now, let me tell you something. I, I believe, I, before I make this statement, I'm going to clarify this. I believe that God is able to heal anybody. I do. But hear me clearly. I hear people say that if you love Jesus enough, you'll never get sick. And you'll never have any problems and everything will be wonderful. You'll live happily ever after. Evidently, they don't read the whole word. Uh, go over in 2 Corinthians chapter uh, uh, 11. I'll wait for you. I want you to read this. Now, evidently, those folks, and, and I know they're all out there, and I've, I've listened to some. When they just preach a gospel message, some of them are right, but they get off on stuff sometimes that they had not read their whole Bible. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, beginning in verse 23. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. In labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequent, in death often. 
Of the Jews, five times I received forty stripes, save one. Thrice I was beaten with rods, once I was stoned. Thrice I was in, suffered shipwreck. A night and a day have I been in the deep, in journeys often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils by my own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. And besides these things that are without which comes upon me daily, I still had the care of all my churches. You love Jesus enough, you'll never be sick. Evidently, Paul didn't get that message. Paul said there are things that are going to come on you when you preach the gospel, when you share your testimony. And he says, I'm not ashamed about it. I'm not sorry I did it. It's been worth it. And Paul says, I'd do it all over again. How do you feel about the gospel of Jesus Christ? Is there a stirring in some of you, a feeling that this is where I can get my life to and that I will settle for nothing less anymore than being a keeper and a sharer of the message of Jesus Christ? I said, Lord, let me walk in the field. But he said, no, walk in the town. I said, Lord, there are no flowers there. Yes, he said, no flowers but a crown. I said, Lord, the air is thick and the fog fades out the sun. He said, but hearts are sick and souls are in the darkness undone. I said, but Lord, the sky is black and there's nothing but noise and din. And he wept as he came back and said, there's more. There is sin. I said, well, I'll miss the light and the friends will miss me, they say. And he answered, choose tonight if I am to miss you or they. Mm. I plead for more time to be given. I said, Lord, give me more time. He said, is it hard to decide? It'll not seem hard in heaven to have followed the steps of your guide. So I turned for one last look at the field and set my face toward town. And he said, my child, do you yield? Will you leave the flowers for a crown? So into his hand went mine, and into my heart came he. And I walked in a light divine that path I feared to see. The apostles' message is that Jesus Christ is it. And being called of God to follow him and to share that message with the world, you do it whatever it costs. And Paul says, I'm glad I did it. And if I had it to do all over, I'd do it again. You see, God has used this dear man back here, and he has been a keeper of the message. He has preached it strong, unwavering. He's preached it when it was easy, and he's preached it when it wasn't easy. He's preached it when he'd make you smile. He's preached it when it made you cry. Preached it when it made you happy and probably preached it and made you mad. But he's preached it. And you as God's covenant people with him and almighty God, there's a graveyard out there walking around that needs Jesus. And you and I are to be keepers of that message.